are listening to the Barbara May Show, the place where we discuss all that really matters. We will cover all you need to know about lifestyle, health, spirituality, and plus so much more. Are you ready? Let's dive in. You are listening to episode 41 with Yaron De Witt. Hello and welcome to my podcast. I'm so happy to have you here today with me. In this episode, we will talk about the past life regression, but from a slightly different point of view. I have an amazing Yaron, I hope I pronounced the name right, here with me, and he is from Netherlands, living in California. He is a level three QHHG facilitator, trained by Dolores Cannon certified in Reiki, EFT, EMF balancing technique and quantum touch healing. He also holds a bachelor degree in art therapy and master's degree in his spiritual psychology. He studied Kriya Yoga, Satnam Rasayan, I hope I pronounced that one correct as well, shamanism, bioenergetics and other modalities. We talk about afterlives, past lives, where does our soul go when we die and how many lessons do we have to go through and so much more and I'm so excited. I'm so excited to introduce you to him and to this episode. Let's dive in. Hello Yaroon, welcome to our podcast. My first question for you is what are you grateful for? What am I grateful for is living here in Los Angeles and having so much nature so close by. I was just um as we were troubleshooting all the tech stuff, thinking about what I'm going to do after. And um, the mountains are always calling me. So I'm super grateful for the beautiful mountains and trees and nature that is all around here. I love that. All your posts on Instagrams, like literally everything what you do, it's just, you just have trees and the mountains behind yes. you. <laughs> There's like no city life, no restaurants, you know, like no fancy drinks. It's all about the trees. <laughs> yes. It's all about the trees, it truly is. So before we dive into the topic, I would like you to tell the listeners, how did you become who you are? It can be a very long story and a very short story, but not very short. As a kid, I always um, looked for the unseen world. I kind of knew it was there, but I didn't see any proof of it. I actually would like in a, look in the hollows of trees for a little chairs and tables where the gnomes and the fairies would live, I thought, but I never found anything. And then when I, um, my mom was a librarian and she at some point brought home a book from the Monroe Institute about out-of-body experiences. And as an eight-year-old, I read it and I just knew that that stuff was true to me. It just resonated with me. Um, And then fast forward many, many years later, I had a um, a very difficult, period in my life it's i call it spiritual awakening but it's not like rainbows unicorns and lollipops it was just a horrific experience that took me years to recover from but i learned about healing because i had to access it for myself and that was the biggest part of it and as part of the healing path i um i found this book by dolores cannon and uh started leafing through it same thing as with the the other book. I just knew that that stuff was true. It was the first, well, not it was the second time, but the first time that I was, um, when I took her class that I was in a, like a classroom situation where I was actually interested and completely, you know, locked on target, just absorbing everything that that lady was talking about. Go ahead. 
No, I just wanted to say since there are so many people who do um, very different types of healings out there, aren't they? There are like Reiki and Krista healers, and you are specifically doing the QHHD, the past life regression. And NRCU people who are doing the past life regression as a very strong unit, you know? So that's why. And I always wondered why, because I I do all different healings, but I was never, I was always interested to do that, but I never became interested to become one of the practitioners and, and the healers. So that's why I have asked the question. I can get more specific. I mean, because for me, I get to kind of report and explore all these different worlds. In the process, I found out that not only myself, but that we all are composed of experiences of these different worlds. But living on planet Earth in a human configuration, you know, we often don't have access to it. So for me, it was really satisfying to bring in all the other dimensions because it talked to me about myself. And it was a journey of getting to know myself better to doing this work and helping other people understanding themselves better. I'm sure so many people ask you the question, um, what happens after death? Because you had been working with over 2,000 people and you have taken them through their past lives. So you have heard a lot of stories. (laughs) Yes. So what happens after we die? Um, There's slight variances for different soul developments for whatever kind of life you've had and wherever your soul development is and this is just my two cents of you know the experiences that i've had with my clients but life goes on for sure life goes on and the actual dying seems to be really easy people describe it as i'm just leaving my body it's like taking off a coat or something and then i ask them what what does that feel like to no longer have a body and then I'd say 99% of the people, they have this big sigh of relief and they say, oh, it feels so freeing. It feels liberating. I really love it. Some people seem to retain a bit of their shape and form that they had in the life, but somehow um, the better version of it, like a younger version and um, or other people turn into like a like a sphere of light. And then there can be a time of waiting or sort of healing and that there can be in a, a void or a dark space where there's no external stimuli where the soul kind of just rests for a bit. If that's not needed, then we seem to go to this place of light and, and love where there can be loved ones from the current lifetime or different lifetimes, like a big reunification or yeah, and where you're welcomed. And then um, there's usually a life review where you kind of look back at the life and see, oh, this is great. I learned, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it is. So now I'm going to do this and this and this next. And to have choice, it seems that there's the more evolved souls that have been around the block for a little bit. They have choice. Um, I've also seen people kind of be um, like shuffled through the process. Okay, off, off you go again, you know, just get some experience under your belt. And then later on, when you start to grow a little bit, then you get more more choice yeah but it's just if younger souls seem to just go through a couple of experiences just to get you know their their feet wet so they have some working working experience before um being able to make a choice yeah Mm -hmm. when my daughter was three years old my grandfather passed away and she just learned to talk and she walked into the room she had no idea that he passed away because nobody told him went to his big grandmother and she walked into the room and started dancing around the room and put her arms up and she came to me she says don't worry he's okay she said to me and I was like I said what do you mean and she said well he is he is sleeping and she kind of described it the room 
as a hospital room because obviously he struggled. He was in a lot of pain. And um, plus he had a stroke and he wasn't able to talk and all that kind of stuff. And I just found it extraordinary because it really resonated with me. Like when you were talking about that book, when you found it, I knew it was true. I knew she was, she really has seen him. And she said, don't worry, he's okay. And then we went home and a couple hours later, I said to her, I said, have you seen him? And she said, yes, I did, um, but he's gone now. And I said, okay, where did he go? And she starts to panic. Like she was like very uncomfortable. She says, I don't want to go. He says, I want to stay with you, mummy. Two weeks later, she didn't remember the story. That's kind of interesting. And she doesn't remember now. Now she's now she's five years old. But that's kind of interesting that if we match the certain frequency, um, then we are able to experience the time and a different, how do you call it? Different layers, levels or layers of, of the lives. I think we all exist on many different dimensions and we're just more focused here now. But some of us, part of our life journey is bringing in the other dimensions or tapping into them and kids seem to have more access to them before before they get shut down you know by the way of uh, where our focus is as as humanity what are your thoughts on a soul and a body so when you do the past life regression obviously you are going through the hypnotherapy please Mm -hmm. explain if you if you want to go ahead for the listeners and you are tapping into a soul's mind however our soul um, has got always a different body. So how is it possible that the soul is connected to the mind every time? <laughs> I don't know the specifics of how a soul connects to the body. Sometimes, you know, women come in and they ask about abortions that they might have gone through and wondering about the soul and stuff. And so I think I've had to describe what the souls, for some souls, they just check in every now and then with the fetus. They just go inside of it. Yeah, I don't know how to link up happens, but, and they can then check out. It's just if they want to have that experience of being in a woman's a fetus, but most souls, or I can say the most because I don't really know the number, but um, a big proportion of them just comes in right before birth or right after birth. And it seems to just, I don't know, like an option. During regressions, when people were getting ready to go back into a life, there seems to be some kind of like shoot or slide that they go down like a portal and then when I ask them, what do you see? And they say, oh, I'm in the birth canal because it feels really tight. And um, yeah, or they, they're born. They're already out. How the link up happens, I'm not sure. I imagine it's okay. like being some kind of a plug or something. So when, when the soul comes into the body, everything plugs in. <laughs> everything plugs in. And that's how yes. the mind, that's right. how the mind, um, mind to understand it. But I was just wondering if you got the answer for it because obviously you have done so many of the sessions. My other question is, I believe, and I'm sure that you do as well, we have chosen our bodies and we have chosen our experiences in order to go through certain processes and et cetera. I have recently been on a podcast and um, I have been asked, this is, do you mean that if the soul chooses, like are you trying to say that the child chooses to be um, raped, kidnapped, um, killed and et cetera? What is your answer to that? I mean, not a child, it's not the child choice as a child, for sure not. You know, as we're in our human experience, of course, those things are really bad and horrible and nobody would choose those. But from the perspective of the soul, as far as I know, there is no good or bad. It's all just experienced to specific purposes. And, um, you know, in one situation doesn't mean 
one specific purpose. It can be so many, it can serve so many different purposes for the people involved, um, for, you know, the, uh, the other people involved or the soul itself. I mean, I've had horrible experiences happen as well in my life. And looking back at them, you know, I would not be who I am today. And I would not be where I am today without those experiences. Um, and I know that, you know, just like anybody else, my existence on this planet has influenced other people as a result of certain experiences. It's just a whole different context to, to look at it because people just ask you plainly like, well, you know, you say that they've chosen it, like they've chosen those horrible experiences and it's all their own doing. That's not the right context, I think, to look at it. It's really shifting perspectives and to think about it as a soul gathering ex different types of experiences for very, very different purposes. Some of these souls have come in to, um, to teach compassion to the perpetrators or to, to teach compassion to um, people that might hear about the stories or to, to bring understanding in people and help helping pe other people that have gone through similar issues. So there can be all kinds of consequences to um, why people are going through certain experiences. So from the perspective of the soul, there are no victims, only volunteers. Um, but that's a different perspective than the human mindset being focused in this body. If it's all their own choice, then we shouldn't have to, again, from a very human perspective. <clears throat> you know, we're here to grow compassionate, I think, to bring about more um, unity and, and, and love. So, you know, we're, we're here to do the same with those experiences. I also believe that if somebody's in an abusive relationship, the reason why they're in an abusive relationship is because they need to learn to appreciate themselves. Do you know how many lessons we have to go through? Do you know the number? No, I don't think it works, you know, in the same way that humans that we are focused here, we understand our environment through qualifying and quantifying things and, and thinking about things as kind of, you know, in, through shape and form, I don't think the rules apply the same way that they do here. So I don't think there is like, you know, you get doled out a certain type of lesson, amount of lesson when you are kind of splitting from the whole, like, you know, here's your 100 lessons or your one hits. I think my, my guess at it or my, my way to approximate, approximate it is to, um, yeah, it's kind of um, fluid, I think, for people. And I think that all souls go through the same um, learning trajectory. Some of them, I've noticed, they just come in, they don't go through any lessons. They just come to earth to help uplift. They, they were called and they volunteered. And so many of them don't accrue any karma because it's not what they've chosen to do, to go through that kind of learning. They're simply here to help and uplift. And... You know, it's, it's not like one soul is more is better than the other or more evolved. It's we're just all on different trajectories, wanting to learn different things for different purposes. And from my perspective, there is no set amount of lessons for, for everyone. Mm -hmm. And um, can you tell me why we are learning those lessons? What is at the end of it? Have you had any sessions with anybody who was kind of like, okay, this is my last lesson or... This was my last lesson. Um, most people coming in, or a lot of them, they tell me this must be my last life, but you know, often it's not. Um, so what is it all about? That's what you're asking, right? Yeah. 
I think that we are all here, God, and when I say the word God, I don't mean like the white bearded Christian asshole, but like universe source creation, you know, universe experiencing itself, just seeing what it's like to do life and certain challenges through you, through me, we're all God playing dress up and, you know, with my being and with your being comes a different set of varieties and ways of expressing and experiencing life and doing life. So it's to gain experience on um, dimensional plane, you know, where the learning is very specific. This is the earth school is where we learn through duality. And it doesn't seem to be like that on other dimensional planes of existence. It's more flux and flow and more unity. And so there is not this challenging factor that we have here on the planet and um, learning through, through matter. As we learn, we gather more understanding and love and compassion for, for ourselves. And when we do so, we also are more compassionate towards others in our environment. And I think that's what's, what's happening, that we're kind of, um, yeah, that we're on this journey of, of, of expansion. Could you tell the listeners how Dolores discovered the past life regression? My memory of it is that, that her husband was a hypnotist and that she studied as well. And they both together were just trying to help people stop smoking and lose weight, uh, just traditional hypnosis, and by accident, regress somebody into a different lifetime. And um, I think it's really remarkable that she kept going because she was from the, from the Midwest in the United States, the Bible Belt. You know, if, you look, if you've ever seen a picture of her, she looks like a little white church lady with a little perm. And, um, but she was fascinated. So instead of thinking, oh my God, it's Satan, I got to close this book, I never touch it again she explored it she was her curiosity was piqued and she wanted to explore it so she was able to modify the technique that she'd been taught to regress more people into different lifetimes and it, it was completely by accident and this happened back in this season there was no google no youtube no books written about it so you know credit to dolores it will be interesting if that was a part of the awakening as well, you know, because obviously it is something what many people wanted to explore for over centuries. Yeah, we, we have the past lives mentioned like everywhere, you know, Akashic records and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of interesting. And now it's a very popular, popular method to treat um, certain illnesses and diseases. So can you touch up on that a little bit? Yeah, so... During a session, we're always after the highest good for somebody. You know, if somebody comes in with physical issues, for sure, that's going to be on a list of questions. And so what we're doing is we're going to a person's higher self. We call it subconscious mind to see why that issue is part of their lives. What, what is being learned or experienced through it. And then sometimes, you know, the lesson is learned or the message is heard. And then we asked, like, well, is it still necessary to have that physical issue be there? And, and then sometimes it says no, and then it can be removed. So, and then you'll see, you know, you ask for healing and then you'll see, you know, the body kind of twitch or, you know, all kinds of things can happen. And people are released from the, the energetic spiritual causes of the physical issue. And oftentimes the physical issue just follows suit and gets cleared. Like I hear this from people all the time, not just from my own clients, but my colleagues as well. It does not to say that, you know, this is a technique to be thought of as kind of a magical pill for any kind of uh, physical ailment, because there can be so many different reasons why somebody struggles with certain issues. Like 
an example, for instance, I had a lady not too long ago, and she had had endometriosis and fibroids for most of her adult life, and it was uncomfortable. And she came in when she was around 45 years old and was going into menopause. And her higher self said, well, she has created this herself because she did not want to have children in this lifetime. That was for certain that that was not going to happen. So she created this, but now she's entering menopause. There's no more need for that to exist. And she kind of saw this blue laser light come in and kind of zap everything like away. Sometimes the causes can be more um, circumstantial or environmental. There was a a man in my office, he had thyroid issues and he was told by his higher self, it was the hair product that he'd been using for 20 years and coming out of the session. So there was no spiritual cause to it or anything else. It was just, you know, he'd been using a hair product. Let's see. And then another lady was there recently, she had sight issues and um, it was really hard for her to see. She came in and of course I asked her higher self, like, can this be healed? And it said, well, we could heal it on the spot now, but we're not going to. I was like, okay, asshole, why? <laughs> so yeah, I always ask, you know, why are you not doing this? So uh, this was not going to be her miracle, meaning to heal her, her sight on the spot would be such a big, you know, thing that would attract so much attraction or it would be so distracting for her in her life that they were not going to do it because her miracle was going to be for her to embrace her authenticity and to create a life that was more meaningful and purposeful for herself. And so, but they did add, you know, she will no longer have to struggle with this side issue. It will not go away, but there will not be a struggle with it anymore. Struggle with it anymore. And um, I received a thank you note in the mail where she said that she noticed that the, um, what do you call it? It's like part of the anatomy, the eye, the cones, and the, I don't know. She could notice that there was still missing parts to that, but she no longer had to squint and like strain herself to see. So, I mean, these are just a few examples of the wide variety of reasons why we go through certain issues. Um, and so it's not always the best thing for somebody to have it cleared or healed. Another woman had lupus and her higher self told her, we will heal it now for 50% but she's going to need the discomfort of this disease for a bit to push her out of the marriage that she's been in that is not serving her. And only afterwards, when she's out of that marriage, we will clear it completely. So there can be all kinds of, you know, different stories and reasons to why people go through issues. And based on that, you know, physical healing can take place or not. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely taking longer time. I have experienced uh, people questioning the past life regression. I'm sure that you have come across this all the time as well. They say, am I making it up or is it really yeah. my higher self talking? So what would you say to those people? Well, you are your higher self. You know, the higher self is not some separate part that is up on a cloud and only when we're doing a session it comes in and, and it starts to tell you what to do and everything you are it you are your higher self and i think vibrationally right now we are in a place where most of us seem to have knowledge of it or have access to it or we know ourselves more as our higher self so it just feels like <clears throat> little old me you know being in this session kind of pulling it out of my ass and why i've learned to trust it is i've had people that I'm one of the more alert people. So I've, I've had people in that state just kind of make up a story about things that they couldn't have known about. And then I was able to fact check them with recorded history. 
like very random stuff, like stuff about certain dress in the UK to a certain part in the 1400s, what boys wore. Um, a client recently sent me a picture back. It's like, oh my God, I didn't have to look very long. I found what I was wearing or a wedding ceremony in the Pacific somewhere. And um, somebody described it in detail. Um, and this is why I always ask for trivial stuff. So people come up with these random details that can be, that can tie people into a certain place in a certain time. And it can give them more trust and that what they experienced was really true when it's like they, they know these details, making it up, kind of pulling out of their asses. And, um, and then it seems to match recorded history. We always know, but there is the question. So we always know, but we always question those things, yeah, don't we? That, yeah, that's, and that's fine. You know, it's, it's, passive aggression is really a prolonged period of being able to hear yourself. That's simply said, that's what it is. Can you talk a little bit about the book, The Boy That Knew Too Much? You worked with the mother, I believe. Is it a mother Correct. you worked with? Yeah. yeah. So can you, can, you, can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's a very extraordinary story which has been publicised. Obviously, he, had, he could have no idea. Sure. So this is one of the experiences that made me believe that whatever people are experiencing is often lived experience because... Um, well, the whole story is that I worked with this mom, this little boy's mom, and this little boy at age two started telling his mom that he used to be a tall German baseball player. And she was like, oh, sweet kid, you know, lots of imagination. But she would have experiences with him that would point to there being more going on than just imagination. She would take him to Los Angeles, had a Dodger Stadium, and there was a large poster of Babe Ruth on the wall, which is a, a legendary um, American baseball player. And um, the kid had a complete meltdown and freak out. Like he would point at it and say that guy was really bad. He was a, a bad man. He had a big fight to the point where she needed to, you know, remove him from the area because he was just having such a uh, freak out. Or they would be traveling and he would comment on like being in hotels, how different it was the life before. There was just specificity to what he knew that made his mom, Kathy, realize there was more going on with this kid. And she had no context for reincarnation because she was a Christian. And so the first thing she did, she went to her pastor and he told her, well, the kid needs an exorcism. <laughs> and she was like, okay, wait a minute. Let's not subject him to that. Let me just um, get a second opinion. And so two different people, one of her friends had done a regression with me before. So she was told about me and, um, you know, stretched her mind into okay, I guess I'm going to do this. So she came into my office with this, with this um, wonderful story. Her son had told her that she used to be his mom in that other lifetime, but that he liked her now better because her personality is more upbeat. Um, he remembered being up on a cloud and choosing her again. So that's the story that she came in with. And, you know, we're starting the session. I tell her what I tell everybody, which is, I'm not going to tell you what to go look at. What do I know? I'm no authority over your consciousness. I leave that up to your higher self to decide what is the most appropriate for you to access today. But she did get into a life. I took her through the induction and then I asked her, what do you see? She started describing a working class environment on the East Coast of the United States in the 1930s or 40s. And it was very specific. She described her body you know, it was different shape and clothes she was wearing, what the carpet looked like, the couch she was sitting on, that there was a birdcage next to her that was covered over and a little dog beside her. She described being at the dinner table and um, knew the German nicknames for the family members. Um, 
And so she was very detailed in her description of this life of what turned out to be Christina Garrick, Lou Garrick's mom. You know, it was a wonderful session. I didn't think too much of it. I was like, wow, this is really cool. And then she came back two more times and we would go back in the same lifetime, but explore different parts of it. You know, part of growing up in Germany and getting on the boat, um, going to the United States and then another part like later in life. So we had lots and lots of details. So I asked her higher self, like, why are we doing this? Why do you have to go back to the same lifetime, which has only happened that one time so far. Um, and it said that she was to, you know, mind this lifetime for trivial details that she can go and fact check with still living descendants of her relatives and then write a book about it. And the book would be accessible to a larger demographic because it would have the subject of baseball and it would have this level of like credibility about, you know, being, being a different lifetime because she knew things that she could not have researched because they were so like, I always ask about these trivial stuff like, what are you wearing? Oh, it's a little necklace. It was very specific. She was able to trace that necklace that she saw in her regression. She knew who it was given to. Um, some awards that her son, Lou Garrick, was given. She described him in detail. She kind of like made up in a session that, um, that, that happened to be real and it was lived experience. And, you know, she, she did write a book. Yeah, a lot of people are finding it. There's been research that's been done into, you know, kids remembering. And it's usually until they're about five or six, they have access to it and then it fades. We travel kind of in soul groups that we travel with the same group of souls, but that we try our different relationships. So it was kind of remarkable as well when in this instance with Luke Eric that they came back in the same kind of um, configuration. You know, they were doing son and son and mother again. But most of the time we switch. Can you talk a little bit about the soul groups? How big is the soul group? I would like to know. And how far does it go when it comes to the relatives? Is it just by generation or two generations or how does it work? I have no idea how big the soul group is. And, and it also doesn't have to mean that you're in a life where you happen to be interacting with many people of your soul group. You might have chosen to, you know, to jump into a completely different soul group to learn something from them and, or to teach them something. Um, so it doesn't always have to happen. Um, and so those kind of rules of like, well, if you haven't met your parents, your grandparents, and then they're not your soul group. To me, those rules are kind of... Um, limiting of of the actual experience i think sometimes you know we are our grandparents our great-grandparents um that's happened where somebody realized that they were their great-grandmother um that they had been told about i don't think there's like set rules for that like if you're you know often we do travel with our soul group but sometimes we decide i'm not gonna do that and and also soul groups is not just pertaining to earth. You know, you, your soul group is beings from other planets, different dimensions. You know, oftentimes many of them, they might just be like hanging around in the unseen realms, just kind of supporting you. And then another life, you might be hanging out with them, you know, in a, in a more physical experience. You know, when you, when you meet somebody and you go like, oh, I know this person or that person yeah. always been around. Obviously you haven't met him before. So that's why I was just like kind of relating it to the, to the soul group, that they are part of your tribe. Even if, yeah. even if it's a dog or a cat, you know, just like, yes, I know you. I resonate with you. I know who you are. <laughs> yeah. I actually just had like a really informative session just a couple of days back where this higher self was talking to me about soul group and soul cluster. And it talked to me about the soul cluster being sort of a person's soul and then different parts of that soul go into different experiences. 
And so I guess what I've been told is a soulmate. It's a part of your soul that is alive in, a, in another different body, a different experience, whether you meet them or not. Um, but she, her higher self talked to about that as a soul cluster and then a soul group. She described it as the people that you've chosen to incarnate with, that you have deeper relationship with. And that group is ever growing because you have so many different experiences. Would you say there is possible for a different soul using the same body throughout their life? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also something recent. It's what we have been termed a walk-in. Um, and there's so many different varieties in how that happens. So sometimes there can be part of the existing soul, but more energy added to it that can happen. Or what happened in the most recent case that I encountered, it was part of the same soul that got switched out for like a fresh part because, you know, this one part of the soul had had so much trauma happen that it just needed to go to like, um, to the, you know, to be washed clean or to help to be healed and a different part of the soul would come in. And sometimes another soul can join it completely. It's always per agreement. It can join in or it can replace it completely. That's also, that's, those are the, options that I've experienced and I'm not saying those are the only options but I just haven't experienced them yet thank you so much for your time <laughs> absolutely <laughs> enjoy this conversation where can listeners find you and get in contact with you um so I'm in Los Angeles and I do sessions in person so if you're ever in Los Angeles um I'm in the San, San Fernando Valley part but I post a lot of session stories online on my Instagram account and TikTok and um, the, um, my name on Instagram is my first name, which is Jeroen, J-E-R-O-E-N. And then my affirmation is love. So Jeroen is love. Find me on TikTok, Instagram. And my website is my first name and then qhhd.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you have enjoyed this as much as I did. I know it wasn't the regular past life regression episode. But I'm very grateful because I could have asked the questions which I never asked any past life regressionist before. If you would like to get in contact, all the links are in the show notes. I'm so grateful for you to be here and I cannot wait to see you on next episode. With gratitude, your host, Barbara May.